You're listening to The LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Everybody, welcome to the LaunchCast. God, I love this music. This is your favorite podcast theme music. You guys have to admit that. Episode 109, entitled Three Feet from Bold. And it is a very, very special episode today. I am so excited. And before we do our intro, Thank you for joining us today. I am the Launch Dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. Don't try and hide it. You know it's true, guys. And we are talking about all of my favorite things in the world. We are talking about leadership. We're talking business, life, and growth. And we're doing it all. Fabrizio, do you know why we're talking about that? I'm talking about it because it's my show, buddy. With us today, episode 109, Three Feet from Bold, Dr. Dr. Greg S. Reed. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Absolutely. And the crowds go wild. Number nine, baby. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Greg Reed. I'm going to do the brief bio here, and I'll make it as brief as possible because, man, you've got some stuff. Um, Dr. Greg S. Reed is a filmmaker, motivational keynote speaker, best-selling author, and the CEO of several successful corporations. His prior books include Three Feet from Gold, Stickability, The Tokens, The Millionaire, Millionaire Mentor, Positive Impact, co-authored with Charlie Tremendous Jones. He received his honorary PhD in literature. In addition, his work has appeared in, geez, I don't even know if I have the right number here. I've heard an additional 30 books, an additional 50 books. I mean, you tell me, man. As well as FHM, Ebony, SkyMall, Rolling Stone, GQ. He has been featured on local and nationally syndicated programs across the country. Uh, Reed currently runs the mastermind Secret Knock. He's also the creator and producer of the internationally acclaimed films Pass It On, Three Feet from Gold, and he produced the film Wishman, which is incredible, by the way, and we'll talk about that, based on the life of Make-A-Wish Foundation co-founder Frank Shankowitz, and it is currently signed to a deal with Netflix. Dude. What? That's just Tuesday. What are you talking about? Man, you are doing your thing, man. And that's what this is all about. Um, you know, I know we've chatted in the past about a few things, but uh, I really respect what you do in so many ways because for me, um, you know, at, at the level I'm at in my career right now, I kind of, I, I get it, man. And we'll, we'll talk about that, but I get what this whole servant leadership thing is about. It, and it's, for me, it's so important to follow in the footsteps of leaders like you because um, servant leadership's brings a whole different uh, perspective to the world. It really, really does. Um, so, and, and so thank you for being here. And we'll, we'll just jump right in because we have limited time today and we want to make every second count. Um, first question, man, the question we always ask every guest on this show, 
How do I keep so good looking with this beer like that? How do well, you keep so good? Lo- How did you know? So you are a fan of the show. I knew it. <laughs> Greg, are you a leader? Of course I'm a leader. So yeah. you, lead by, you lead by example. It's not the words you say. It's the actions that you take. And, you know, everyone's seen all the bumper stickers. But the bottom line is staying positive in the form, you know, when things are have adversity around you, isn't a sign of naivety, it's a sign of true leadership. And I, I call it uh, relaxed intensity. And what that means is like if the ship's going down and the captain starts running around freaking out, then everyone else does. But if you have that relaxed intensity and can help everyone get off the boat, chances are everyone gets off safe. And so the whole idea for me is that's the principle I live my life by. Yeah, so so talk to me a little bit more about about leadership. What is your definition of a leader in terms of, you know, you're you're in a certain position that that you've put yourself in and you've earned. But this thing is about unconventional leadership. The the reason I started this podcast is because I want I want people to understand out there, the people that have the stories like you and I have, like you know, not everybody comes from wealth, right? And so we had to earn what we have right now. And a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand how to connect those dots. So if you're speaking to somebody like that, what is your definition of leadership? Well, first of all, we got to define that there's two different types of leadership, right? So one of it is paid leadership. So for example, you can run a corporation, you have all of your employees following you and you're the leader of that group, but that's paid leadership. Uh, and then there's earned leadership. And it's by the actions you take, the vision that you create. The realities are that people will do more for a cause than they'll do for money. So every single business or entity that I start, I create a cause, a vision around it. And then I bring on the people that share that vision and together we make it happen. It's a we society rather than a me generation. And so the whole concept, at least the way that I look at things, is to get people to follow the vision just as excited as you are to see it come through. So that's what we do. Yeah. So that that team vision, um, you know, a lot of people have a hard time understanding what that team vision means, you know, uh, bringing other people into your success with you, you know, being a leader uh, and making other people successful alongside you. I love that. I read a great interview from 2018 from Thrive Global where you were asked what your backstory was. You responded, you know, the typical beach kid who cannot spell and has dyslexia becomes a best-selling international author. No big deal, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so here's the funny thing. So I've been published now in 96 books, 45 languages, have an honorary PhD and a star on the Walk of Fame in Las Vegas Strip for being an author, but I can't read, write, spell, <laughs> dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? So I learned early on that to get what you want, you surround yourselves with people that are getting the results you want. So when I want to be a best-selling author, I just went to Barnes and Noble and I bought every best-selling book. I didn't buy, you know, get the best reading, you know, the best spoken word because that wasn't what I was interested. I want to be a best-selling author. And I called those people up and said, well, you teach me your system. And I followed their system and here we are today. And as long as we're following the successful actions of those who are getting the results that we want for ourselves, we add our own spin and then you can do it for yourself. Yeah. Help me, help me connect the dots, man. I mean, you're, you're talking about being dyslexic. You're talking about not being a great student when you were younger. Talk to me about the mindset of young Greg Reed. Well, I always had a mom who told me, you know, son, you can do anything you want in life. And I was crazy enough to believe it. So every single thing I attempted, I went in it thinking that I will succeed. Some people say, I'll give it a shot. I just expected to do well. 
the whole idea is stickability. It's not giving up three feet from gold like you're doing the introduction for. Uh, so many people give up right before the miracle happens. Look, the Super Bowl is going to be this Sunday. I guarantee the final thing that wins the Super Bowl will be that one foot into the end zone, that three feet. That's what separates most people. And for myself, it's going that extra mile when everyone else will give up. I read a great quote from that same article where your dad said to you, you need to go to college, son. You will never make a living talking to people. And here you are, right? Did you, did, did you, did you, are you like me where you just did that to prove him wrong? <laughs> no, I did. It's what I wanted to do. So I was 17. I left at home and he goes, no, gotta go to college. We'll send you anywhere you want to go. And I says, nah, I want to get into sales marketing. This is what I want to do. And I remember I was leaving. He goes, well, you can't live here. I said, Okay, so I took my pillow, like the scene out of the jerk movie, and I was leaving, and he goes, son, you're never going to make money talking to people. And I went, fair enough. And then I think it was the second year I made six figures in sales, and I sent him a copy of my W-2 and said, hey, dear dad, remember when you said? And now it's a running joke in the family. But you know what? When I went to go start the new business, and I left that, you know, doing the sales, and I started my own business, they questioned me. But then as soon as that was successful and I sold it for millions of dollars, they didn't question me. Yeah. And then after a period of time, every crazy scheme I come up with, now no one questions me because they know that I'll make it come true. Look, when I, Frank, you mentioned, I sat him down in one of my interviews and I said, what was your wish? And, and he goes, what do you mean? I go, you're the founder of Make-A-Wish. What did you ask for? And he said, no one ever asked me. I says, well, I'll grant your wish. Anything you want, Lamborghini, whatever, I'll give it to you. And he says, I just want my story to be told so my grandkids know I did something. So he signed over his life rights. I said, just know, I've never made a movie. He says, that's, I know you'll make it happen. So it took me six years, millions of dollars, everything I could. And now we were on the ballad for the Oscars this year. And we're trending worldwide, all from my little house here in Carlsbad, because I sought people that have won Oscars, that have done this. And I asked them for counsel. They gave it to me. I spun it. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. We're actually going to get into that story a little bit later in the interview, but uh, incredible. And by the way, I had a conversation with Frank, who you connected us a couple of weeks ago. We had a conversation, and I spoke to him the day after my wife and I watched Wishman. And yes. wow, man, uh, that touched me in a lot of ways. And I'll, I'll talk about it as we as we go on. Um, so you're you're out of the house. You take your pillow and leave, and you start. I'm not out of here. You start, you start your success. So I read that from the ages of 20 to 40, you had one job, and that was selling promotional items to businesses over the phone. I was a telemarketer. Hey, Bob, glad I got you. Listen, call on everyone. Today's the last day of a huge inventory closeout. Everything's got to go, right? So this is what I did for 20 years of my life, and I ended up working my way up to every company I did until finally I started my own version of that called Work Smart because I didn't want to work hard. I want to be at the beach by three o'clock. So I started a company called WorkSmart and it grew into a little mini juggernaut and I sold it. Uh, and then accidentally I fell into the personal development space. Yeah, so what what was the impetus for that once you moved on from selling promotional items? Impotent? Was- I never said I was impotent. <laughs> That's a different show. That's the after dark show here. Um, So, you know, 20 to 40, you're selling promotional items and then you start your own agency. What was that spark? Well, it's interesting. I just had that aha where I kept saying I'm making other people everywhere. Every company I kept going to, I would go in when they're making, like, say, 500,000 a year and then they're making millions a year by the time, you know, I was done working with them. Same one, same one. I went, hey. Light bulb. Maybe I could go do that for myself since I've got the system down. And basically, I went all in. 
I, I, I remember I sold my cars and I, I did everything I had to do to literally go and give this thing a shot. And it's one of the best decisions I ever made. And it seems like every great move I ever made was based where I was not afraid to lose. And I think that's where strength comes from. It's like one of those things, if you're fighting a holy war and someone's not afraid to die, you don't have a lot of leverage against them. And so for myself, I literally burn the boats and I go to the direction and I won't give up until it's done. Yeah. We talk a lot on this show about something that I call a spark moment. It's these moments in life where you don't necessarily know in that moment, but you look back and you go, yeah, that was that was a pivotal moment. Something happened, whether it was good or bad, that changed the course of my life. And so for me, and I, I know we've talked a little bit, but for me, you know, I was like this this corporate schmuck in, in the first half of my career that only cared about money, only cared about bonuses. And I attained what I attained at great cost. It cost me a marriage when I had two little kids at home. It cost me friendships. And I, I found myself in just place where I was just a puddle of mm. just nothing. And I was like, I need to make a change. I need to really start this over the right way and become the man that I always knew that I could be and the father that I always knew I could be. And so when that sort of shifted for me and I started that change and I focused just on my kids and building my business life around my personal life and around my family, that's when success came. And subsequently, the thought of, of servant leadership, which we talked about a little bit. Was there a particular moment where you kind of said, it's time to do this for myself. I don't, I'm tired of working for other people. Yeah. So I'm 32 years sober guy. Uh, so I haven't had a drink or a illegal drug in 32 years. And what's really interesting is it says on the little token over here, it says, uh, to thine own self be true. And that was a huge, like, aha for me. Door number two and for business, I remember I was working in a uh, corporation. I was running a, a very large corporation. One of these, I was making these guys rich. And I had a corner office. I had them build two steps up to get into my office. And then I put a giant boardroom table as my desk. And I put a little chair in front, just like you see at the Wall Street type of thing. And this 18-year-old girl, I don't know her name. I don't know who she is, but she changed my life. She walked in. She came on a couple steps. She goes, Mr. E, is this your office? I go, yeah. And she goes, is that your giant desk? And she goes, yeah. I go, yeah. She looked out the window. She goes, is that your Ferrari out there? And I go, sure is. This is my three-piece suit. And she goes, man. She goes, your dick must be that big. <laughs> and, and I looked at her, I says, I go, I go, young lady, I go, I don't, I don't know if we've ever met. I go, but you just changed my life. And I go, I thank you. And she walked out, I got on the phone and I called the people. I said, will you take this desk out? That day changed everything. And that was my aha moment where I went, man, I was living this dream that I saw on the movies. There's a, a little bit of interference there. I, I didn't catch the last 10 seconds. Oh, it was amazing. I just told the meaning of life and where Bigfoot is. I knew it, damn it. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, your businesses a little bit and then and then move on to uh, to some more stuff. So uh, as you mentioned, you're the founder and former CEO of WorkSmart, which is an innovative advertising firm. Uh, you sold the company in 2004, and you're currently the CEO of Millionaire Mentor and The Secret of Happiness, LLC, right? And side by side and... 
I mean, there's six, seven different corporations, I guess. There's 333 Films, Wishman. There's there's all kinds of them. Sierra Capital, R&D. So, yeah, so it's interesting. And I have what I call a secret weapon. Her name is Shannon Parsons. And she basically is my one person I go to. And then she oversees everything for me. So I give direction to one person who then goes and gives direction to others. Yeah, I love that. I want to sort of get into the story of how Greg and I met. So as a lot of you know, I am the executive producer of TEDx Farmingdale. I'm a two-time TEDx speaker myself and a, and a keynote speaker. And so um, I had a big calling to do this TEDx Farmingdale thing and put this event together. And what was funny was when we opened up applications, we got applications from so many different people. I mean, we had huge speakers there. We had Scott Schmarin, who is a world-renowned uh, um, hypnotist, and he's been on Howard Stern multiple times. He's been on Oprah. We had Peter DeWitt, educational speaker. And then we had people that were brand new, that were never on a stage before. And so I met an individual months and months earlier who interviewed me on his small um, social media interview show. And uh, we kept in contact, and I knew this guy had some drive. And he would always tell me that his goal in life, his dream in life, was to be a best-selling author, author and a TEDx speaker. And he told me the story about how he had the sleepover that changed his life, which subsequently his TEDx was about, where he reached out to you. Uh, through through your website, you called him five minutes later and said, how can I be of service? You invited him out to the house. You had him pay his own way so that he can invest in his future, but you offered him to stay over at your house. Right. And he did that and it, and it changed his life. And so he started really, really improving in what he was doing in his life. And, and you really mentored him through, through that. And so he applied to my TEDx. And, you know, I'll be honest and I was honest with him. In terms of application and, and uh, of course, skill level at the time. Pedigree. Yeah, his pedigree. He shouldn't have been on a TEDx stage at the time. But I said, hey, man, if you're going to put the work in like you've been doing for the last few years, I will work with you personally. I'll help you write this thing. I will, I will rehearse with you, whatever you got to do. And he said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And so it was a rough road. And, but once we crossed over that hill and I could see that he was really going to do it and do it well – I reached out to you. I'd never spoken to you. And I reached out through, through your website too. And I said, Hey man, I, I really just want you to know that you mentored this guy and he's doing it. And I, if that were me, I would want to know. And sure enough, an hour later, my phone rings and it's, how can I be of service? That really stuck out to me, man, especially with, with the success that you've had. It, it was just so interesting how that relationship instantly, when you called me, I knew who you were as a leader right away, right away, because a person that's not a servant leader, they don't do that. They don't have time for something like that. And you followed up and you kept in contact and you made sure that his talk went over well. That was a, that was a huge deal to me in, in, in seeing that because that's really how I try and operate. Can you talk for a minute about, first of all, before we get further into, into his journey, can you talk about why that's your first instinct? Why is that your reflex? It's your signature in your email. How can I be? How may I be of contribution? How may I be of contribution? Right. So, so talk yep. about that. So, Why is that the reflex? Well, if it, yeah, it, well, you know, there's a book out there, Gladwell. It's all the thing about blink, right? And you know instantly when you meet someone whether there's something there or not. And I believe that every single person I'm going to meet knows something I don't know. So whether they're a homeless person or they're a billionaire, they're going to know something that I don't know. So I, I always come from a student standpoint. And what happens is it opens up your eyes and your relationships to a whole new level. It's kind of interesting. I started doing these 
masterminds called Wake Up and Crush It, where people come and they can stay overnight and we beat each other up. But it's almost also about a tough love. So I filmed last week a TV show, which is my pilot called Tough Love. And the concept is so many people say they're willing to do whatever and they want it, but they're not willing to take the actions. So what I do is I force young entrepreneurs and I give them a series of actionable steps. And if they follow through and take action with it, then I open up my door and my Rolodex to everyone I can to help them see their dream come true, just like people did for me. Remember, Napoleon Hill, when he got the opportunity from Andrew Carnegie to write, think and grow rich. You know, he had to offer to work for free for 20 years to meet all these people to go on that journey. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, Mr. Carnegie made that offer to 250 men before Napoleon Hill, but he was the first person to say yes and accept it. Everyone else had an excuse, a bad case of the one size. Like I'll do that once I get the big break or get the kids out of the house. So I like to reward action because I believe it's the action and the law of attraction that makes your dreams come true. Think it, feel it, do it. Yeah, I love that. The LaunchCast is sponsored today by the Leadership Experience, a coaching masterclass. Intentional, unconventional, thoughtful leadership from keynote speaker, CEO, nonprofit board member, and TEDx executive producer, George Andriopoulos. Hey, that's me. Guys, the music's getting louder, which either means that this is a can't-miss epic course or that Fabrizio fell asleep at the controls again. Registration opens on February 1st, and we are beginning on March 1st. This music is so damn loud, and that means it's going to be amazing. And Fabrizio's pay is definitely getting docked this week. Join us, the Leadership EXP, for details. You don't want to miss this. So that servant leader mentality, it's its so great, and it really had such an, an effect on, on our TEDx speaker and what he did. And I don't want to name him by name, and I'm sure he'll share the story if he's, uh, if he's into it. And, and if I know him, he will definitely share it. But you gave him this, this mindset of seeking counsel in order to help his decision-making process, which in effect help him build the muscle of intuition that he has. Very specifically, I found a, a, a direct connection, which is so interesting. And guys, I'm not going to have Greg tell the story. I actually was originally going to have him tell the uh, the Three Feet from Gold story. I want you guys to buy the books and or, or check out some of his keynotes to hear the story of Are You Darby? But there's a great connection here with our, our mutual friend where um, I see him as Are You Darby right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's he 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 had this idea. He's been given the tools. He he purchased. I'll say he'll he purchased the tools to succeed, and he found some gold and he filled that first barrel. Yeah. I think right now he's having a hard time finding that the rest of the line of gold. And so my challenge to him is to define himself. Is he going to be Are You Darby, or is he going to be the person that actually discovered the entire line and filled up Fort Knox with that gold? Um, because it's there, and that three feet in this industry that he's trying to find is—it's uh, tough to find. But if he keeps working, he'll find it. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. I want to take a break from this stuff for a second to talk about real life because you know this is our. Uh, our professional stuff sometimes is, it's a dream, right? It becomes this imaginary thing when you're helping all these people and, uh, mm. and doing the kind of thing you do. I want to talk about real life and your favorite accomplishment, which is your son, Colt. Mm. Talk about yeah. being a dad, man, in what you I got, do. I, everyone always you know, going to say how great their kids are. 
I just like my, I, I like my son, you know, of course he loved your kid, but I, I like, I got, I got a cool kid, you know, I got a good guy. I got a friend. I, I, I it's so really neat to see. So it was interesting. A couple of years ago, I had a list of 80 items on my bucket list. They, the craziest things to do, accomplish before I died, impossible. And I accomplished them all. And it was kind of a surreal moment and a sad moment at the same time, because I go, was that it? So everyone kept saying, put more stuff on your bucket list. And I said, I literally have done everything I wanted to do. I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I ran with bulls. I swam with sharks. I carried the torch in the Olympics. You name it, I've done crazy stuff. So I went to my son and said, what do you want? And he started making a list. And I started helping him make those dreams come true. That is the coolest thing that I've ever done. But what's really, really neat is just watching this kid. So the other day, and by the way, he's seven years old. And last year at six, he had the number one spoken word album on Amazon.com called I'm the Businessman at six years old. Uh, he's got his own CD. He's got on Spotify, has his own uh, channel, Colt, Colt Reed, just so you guys know. <laughs> now Whoa. he's the one. Seven, and he's getting ready this year to come out with his best-selling book and his new audio tracks. So anyway, cool kid. But what's really neat is that we we're at Boomers, which is a little play thing over here where you play games and you win tickets and tokens. Uh -huh. He took his best friend, and his best friend only had 150 tickets. This was just listed the other day. And so uh, he, the boy wanted this toy and just didn't have enough. So Colt kept winning tickets, and, I, and he handed them to me. He goes, don't give them to my friend. And I go, okay. I go, wow, what a selfish kid. And he'd win more. And he goes, don't give those to this kid. And I went, God, that's the rudest thing ever. I go, I thought I'd trade him different. So we go up at the counter at the end and the little boy says, I have 150 and he got a little candy. And then Colt took all his and says, <laughs> he goes, I want that toy, which is the same one that the other kid wanted. Uh -huh. And he gave it to him. And then Colt turned to the kid and said, I was working to get this for you. How wow. cool is that? That's amazing. So Colt left with nothing, right? And nothing planned or whatever, but that's the mentality of this kid. I go, that's something you just can't train. No, that's incredible, man. I, and I, and I've, I've read in a couple of articles about Colt's mantra that he comes up on stage and says, <laughs> says, my name is Colt. I'm happy. I'm powerful. I'm successful. I'm brave. I'm worthy. I help people. What, what are you doing over there, man? <laughs> you yeah, gotta, he's, he's, he's drink. He's, he's drinking the good sauce because at the <laughs> end of the day, look, People can say all the words and the mantras and the bumper stickers, but it's the people that live the message. You know, that's what I suggest people follow. I'll give you an example. What drives me crazy? This is, I'll give you my things that drive me nuts. Yeah. One, people go and they pay people $20,000, for example, to learn to be a public speaker from someone that's never spoken on the biggest stages. Uh, people will sit there and say, hey, uh, give me $30,000 to learn how to be a best-selling author that have never, you know, written a best-selling book. Uh, same thing, same thing, same thing. And it drives me crazy. So earlier you said the thing about counsel and opinion, surround yourself with people that are getting the results you want. See counsel, experience, knowledge, wisdom, where opinion is based on ignorance, lack of knowledge or inexperience. People go to a family friend, say, I'm going to write a book. They're going to talk you out of it if they've never done it. If you go to Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup, he'll say, hey, if you're going to write a book, here's what you need need to know and give you counsel. Yeah. If we would spend our lives only seeking counsel and ignoring opinion, that's the day our lives would change. So just like you're alluding with Carlos and all these amazing people is find people that are getting the results you want and duplicated it. When I went to Africa and climbed Kilimanjaro, I did not ask some dope smoking surfer here in La Jolla to take me up to the mountain. I found the Sherpa, the porters that have climbed it eight, 900 times. Wherever they put their boot print, I put my boot print. Yep. It's the same thing. When I want to make a movie, who's won Oscars? When I want to write a book, who's the best-selling author? Surround yourself with people that are doing what you want. Spin it. Do it for yourself.
Love it, man. Let's get into Secret Knock. So you currently run the internationally acclaimed mastermind conference, Secret Knock, an exclusive gathering of the most powerful and influential leaders of our generation. That's big. It's a professional collaboration community focused on partnership, networking, and business development. It is strictly invite only, and it includes well-known executives, entrepreneurs, artists, and professional athletes. It was named the Can't Miss Conference for Entrepreneurs by Forbes and Inc. Talk about it, man. So this all, again, happened so organically. I was writing these books. So people that don't know my backstory is Napoleon Hill was given a letter by Andrew Carnegie to meet all of his influential friends to write, think, and grow rich. A hundred years later to the date, the Napoleon Hill family and surviving, uh, you know, the CEO of Napoleon Hill Foundation gave me a very similar letter and sent me on a journey to meet anyone I wanted and then tell these stories in books and films. So I write the Think and Grow Rich series with Sharon Lecter. And what happened is I was meeting these amazing human beings and people said, how can I meet them as well? So I said, in my house, in the living room, I'll do something and you guys can come meet my friends. And they go, how do we know to get in? I go, just do the secret knock. And it became kind of a joke. But then people showed up and told their friends and then they told their friends and it grew into this juggernaut of an event where about 200, 250 people max come together and I parade access to the greatest minds of today. We've had everything from private Skypes with Edward Snowden while he's hiding in Russia to Mr. Tonino Lamborghini flying in from Italy to talk about automobile industry from a whole different direction. Last time we had President Dave Vicente Fox to the founder of Showtime Television. Imagine where we could be if we surround ourselves at the foot of greatness and you ask the people that are doing what you want, what you're going through without having to do the VIP thing or have backstage access. These people hang out for a couple of days where you have a beer and have, share a taco with people that have changed the world. And what happens is that your mind shift happens and then you go home and tell your friends. Secret knock. Unbelievable. And where can people find Secret Knock? I'll contact Shannon. We'll put everything in the show notes as well. But yeah, it's secretknock.co. Perfect. Yeah, I have lists here, man, of just some of your accomplishments. Uh, one of your great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's incredible um, how you've accomplished some of this stuff and you're still pushing forward. One of the projects that I want to talk about before we get into our final thoughts here um, is you mentioned before your relationship with Frank Shankowitz. I read that interview where it talked about you asking him about his wish and it led to Wishman being produced and subsequently signing a deal with Netflix. I watched it, man. I, I got to say, I don't know as a producer, creative involvement and all that stuff, but... I'll tell you what I was expecting for a movie that had a very limited release. I was like, okay, I'm sure I'm going to love the story. You know, maybe the acting might be whatever. Dude, I watched this thing with my... First of all, I was in tears the entire goddamn time. I have a very specific tie to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I'm going to talk about that in another interview because I think Frank is actually going to be coming on podcast. That's um, great. My sister-in-law, who was not my sister-in-law at the time, was, uh, was dying of cancer and Make-A-Wish granted a wish for her to bring the entire family to Taiwan. And it was about a month before she passed away. And it was big, man. So yeah. the fact that he did that and you guys brought that to the screen to tell the story, which, by the way, guys, like, you know, it's the, it's the story of this man's life. And you get into Make-A-Wish, but how this all happened is, dude, the acting, phenomenal. The story, phenomenal. Like, Amazing, amazing. People think you got to be rich, successful, have all the answers to get started, and you don't. So when Frank and I went in this agreement, I had no idea how to make a movie. So what I did is I go, I need a screenwriter. I need a director. 
do you know how I found my screenwriter and director? Craigslist. I just put in an ad and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to help me. They popped up and they end up becoming those people. Same thing, same thing. The house I live in right now, Craigslist. Same thing, thing. Everything's so accessible. And yet we always have these excuses and we get, you know, these buts, meaning I go do that but, and they think it's different for someone else. And the whole thing is you don't have to be, like Les Brown says, great to get started, but you got to be get started to be great. So the whole idea is stop looking at your obstacles, but they could be a blessing and opportunity to disguise. Yeah, I love it. Great work on it, man. We're going to get into the big three. The big three from the launch cast. The big three is our top three. I'm going to name a couple of things. You're going to give me your quick top three on all, all right, of these. All right, so let's jump in. Big three. Top three spark moments in your life. Having my son, I will say the sobriety, obviously. And I, latest one was pretty cool of getting the star on the you know Vegas Strip was insanely surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crazy. I look, I'm I'm six away from Elvis, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Top three most terrifying moments for you. Questioning self-worth when I was a kid. Of wondering whether I was worthy or not. Uh, and when I was 17 years old, I was told to this moment, and that's where everything shifted for me. And I realized I, I, I was, which was amazing. That's why I instilled that in my son. Uh, fear. Gosh, I just don't live in a state of fear. So I'm, trying, I'm working on trying to give you a solid answer. Running with the bulls, that scared the crap out of me. I mean, that was kind of crazy having all those people. And I'd say last was jumping out of an airplane, I went parachuting and I was so scared and I was thinking of every excuse why I, I would not jump out of that hole. And then my mom, who's 77, was in front of me and she jumped out going, Wee! and I went, <laughs> I got no excuse on this one. So I went for it. I love it. Top three favorite places to be in the world. This could be a physical place or a mental state. Yeah, Kauai is number one. That's, uh, you know, my son and I go there every year as our boys trip to get away. Uh, two, I love my house. I, I live in the coolest little place in Carlsbad, California. And I just love, you know, home is where your heart is. And I have built a really cool spot where it's my office, my business, my home. It's, it's, it's very centrally located. And then worldwide, you know, I've been to so many different places, but Zanzibar was insane. It's a little spice island. I remember my toes in the sand and the beach of Zanzibar going, if this isn't paradise, I don't know what is. Love it. Final one. Top three accomplishments. I'm going to say same one. Son, sobriety, for sure. And accomplishment, I'd say, is my first book getting published. Like when you write a book, you do a query letter, a query. It says who you are, what's your message, why are you an expert, who's going to read your book? I was turned down by 268 publishers, agents, printers in a row. The 269th one said, we'll do your book, but you can't spell and write. So you have to change the title, the beginning, the middle, and the end. <laughs> and I did it. And it went on to become an international best-selling book that sparked everything. And it had been easy to quit after 50 rejections or 100 or 212 or 220. But I knew that I was on to something and I would not let another person talk me out of my dreams. And by me persevering is now literally impacted the lives of millions and millions of people. And that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Love it, man. All right, guys, let's jump into our spark moment of the week. Today's spark moment, guys, our moment of inspiration is centered around servant leadership. This is something 
you know, in, in our conversations today with with Greg, you can sort of see how that servant leadership mentality, even once success has been achieved, really can take over and be so infectious uh, in order to help the group win, not just you. Um, you know, we always we always hear the the adage: "There's uh, there's no I in team, uh, but there's an I in win." Right. And that proves true for some people. I totally get it. You know, uh, a lot of people can go at it alone and win and be successful. But the feeling, the long-lasting feeling and the type of success that you get when you lead through servant leadership, you put others first. And, of course, you always have to take care of yourself. I'm not saying to not take care of yourself. But servant leadership is about bringing the team with you for the win, bringing others with you. There is nobody that can tell me that one person is going to be better at doing something than an entire team can be at doing it. And so bringing the right team together, doing something with your circle, your inner circle, and being successful together, offering mentorship, offering leadership to others that need it. That's what this podcast is about. I don't need to be doing this, guys. I do not need to be doing this. I have... My businesses, I have my public speaking, um, writing a book. I mean, this is this is something that I just barely have any time for, but I enjoy it so much because I'm bringing stories of leadership that other leaders out there, other leaders, other servant leaders have experienced. And how can we learn from life if not from others' experiences, their wins, their losses, their successes, their failures? And so... When you find somebody that's that servant leader, you grasp on and you go for that ride with them because they're offering you that opportunity. They're offering you the opportunity to take the ride to success with them. Those are special people. I aspire every single day to be a servant leader, sometimes to a fault where I put others ahead of my own needs a lot more than I should. But it's okay because in the end, that karma, that success that I gain through servant leadership, that's the kind of success that I want. I don't need the the all, all me success. That's the kind of success I was looking for early on in my career. And that left me in the lurches. That left me as a puddle of emotions with nothing to my name. Nothing. No friends, no family, no money, nothing. And here we are almost 10 years later, as a servant leader, winning the right way, succeeding the right way, succeeding with my friends. People compliment me on this studio. You know, I built this studio within my office because it was a passion project for me. Hey, are you renting out the studio as well? No, no. But other people are recording here. My friends are recording podcasts. I have numerous friends that are recording podcasts and and other projects in this studio. Why? Because I have the resources right now to help other people. And so if I don't use those resources for, for good uh, to help others succeed, where are we going to be later on down the line? You know, when they were looking for help and now they've succeeded, but I didn't help them along the way, they're not going to bring me on their ride. I'm bringing them on my ride. They're going to bring me on their ride. It's reciprocal. That's what this is about. Servant leadership. Think about it. Do it. Become that person. That's our spark moment for the day, guys. Greg, thank you for being here, my friend. This was incredible. I'd love to have you back one day. Thank you so much for this. Uh, guys, you got to follow Greg. All the links are going to be in the show notes. Check out The Secret Knock. You got to check out Wishman. By the way, I didn't mention this before. 92% audience score 
on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is the truth. It's the real deal. Uh, check him out. Check out his books. All links will be in the uh, in the podcast show notes. Greg, thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. You got it. Keep coming back. I'll see you guys later. We'll see you guys later. Launch sequence terminated. Into the Thanks, Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.